<laughs> Here we are. Lord's Day Live together again. Thank you so much for being here. I'm grateful. Here we go. Are you ready? Doodle Bible School. Here I am over there. And here I am over here. And look at us. <laughs> Good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. I am grateful for your presence. Here we go. Are you ready? All right. Doodle Bible School. We uh, Basic Bible stuff is what we're covering as Moses parts the Red Sea. And we are experiencing Exodus. <laughs> There's Moses. And that's me and I said that. But... It, Good to have you here. Experiencing Exodus. Good stuff, guys. I'm telling you what, we're moving right along here. I think we're into chapter six today. <laughs> Going to spend the entire year in the book of Exodus because there are a lot of chapters. <laughs> All right, guys. Segment one, you know what happens. It's going to right here. See you, watch it. Do the doodle. That's right. Do the doodle. So get out your doodle later. And we're going to do the doodle. All right. You got some paper? You got a whiteboard? You don't draw on the table. Moms do not like that. <laughs> I draw on a paper or something like that. All right, let's review. <coughs> Here's what we've doodled so far. Chapter 1 looks like a whip. It's because God's people are enslaved. Chapter 2 looks like a basket floating in the water. See the little ripple there? Moses gets born. And they put him afloat in the river. Remember that? What's that look like? Looks like a bush that's on fire. Very good. That's right, the burning bush. All right, that's Moses. Cause remember, we got about that's Moses and then an arrow on this guy. That's supposed to be Aaron, his brother. Moses gets Aaron. They're gonna team up, kind of like Batman and Robin. <laughs> All right, and then chapter five. What happens in chapter five? Remember, Pharaoh, nasty guy, takes away their straw. They got to make bricks with by gathering the straw and making the bricks. Really bad, dude. And then in chapter six. Da -da -da -da, this is going to be my mom's favorite chapter. I hope she's watching. In chapter 6, we're going to trace the genealogy of Moses and Aaron. The genealogy. You know what genealogy means? That means you look back over who is your mom and dad. All right, who is your dad's mom and dad, and who's your mom's mom and dad? And then who's your great-grandpa, and that kind of stuff, okay? And so this is the way you kind of trace your, your family tree, or you kind of trace your genealogy. It's a big word. But uh, if you can basically get the concept, I'm, I'm good with that, moms and dads. So if they get the concept, it's okay. But I want you to notice what we've got here. See that symbol right there? That looks like the Moses symbol, right, from up here. When he's floating in a basket, and we use it over here uh, in chapter 4 as well, okay? Well, that means that Moses is going to be this guy here. So what I need you to do, first of all, is I just want you to draw a straight line, okay? Straight line. Got it? And then I want you to put two marks on your straight line like a lot. Can you do it? And then two lines over here like that. You got it? All right. Now, up here, now I'm not going to draw them like Gabriel does because he's a lot better drawer than I am. We're going to go like this. And then this lady, she's going to have a skirt on, okay? That's the way you represent a girl, okay? That's going to be Moses' dad and Moses' mom. Now, they have three children. One's another dude. His name is Aaron. And then they have a girl. And then they have another guy. Okay. What's her name? I think her name is Miriam, isn't it? All right. 
Oops, I'm, I did this bad, guys. I'm sorry. That was Sunny Childs doing it bad. Let's take her off again. Oops. Can you? I hope you have an eraser because I did it bad. She's got to have a skirt. That makes her the girl. All right, so you got Aaron, Miriam, and Moses, okay? And I don't know. We, I should have differentiated Moses, but maybe I should do it the way Gabriel does it over here, okay? He did the basket thing. All right, so we'll do the basket thing in that way. Yeah, you know, see, you've got these little funny things happening right here. But he's got the basket happening. Whoop, 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 whoop. And that's supposed to be Moses, because that's our icon, or our picture, that represents Moses so far. And that probably changes as we get closer to other parts of the story. But there's three kids, okay? And so, Mom and Dad, oops, I did that right, backwards. Dad and Mom, <laughs> I was pointing at the wrong people. Dad and Mom have three kids. And here's the three kids. The one we want to talk about, of course, is Moses. Aaron's going to be sort of similarly cord. He's going to be pretty primary too, but not as much as Moses. Okay, old Moses. You know, you got to. I'm going to do that thing right there because that. See up there. That's the. That's the two. That's where he ripples in the waters. Okay. Do you guys have it? Oh, by the way, if you wanted to do this, I don't know if you care, but the way you make it look like it's 3D a little bit is you take and you got to give it a little bit of a thing like that. See how Gabriel did that up there? Just a little bit of a thing like that, and that makes it look like it's a, a deeper basket. All right, that wasn't too bad. So chapter 6, we're going to trace the genealogy, or you can think of it as the family tree. Either way, I don't care. But we're going to trace the genealogy, and oh, I even forgot to do the most important part. So where's the 6, Sonny? Well, Gabriel used this. He used the six as if it was circling Moses as being our primary guy in the story. See what he did there? So he used the six right here. He used the six as if you're, okay, Moses is going to be the main character. And so he uses the six to circle that. That's the way we remember six. So in chapter six, Moses gets circled in the family tree. Okay, so chapter six, genealogy of Moses and Aaron. And he talks about both of them. So you got to have both of them there if you want to get the answer correct. <laughs> All right. So if I was going to prepare you for the final test, I would ask you these two questions. What is the theme for Exodus chapter 6? Well, let's see. We draw our picture in our mind and we circle it with the six, Moses. Moses and then Aaron over here, he's going to be in it too. But really, the thing I really want you to remember is that Moses's genealogy or his family tree, okay? And can you doodle the picture? Clearly you can. It's a little bit of a complicated, well, it's not really complicated, just a lot of moving parts in it. I think you can do this, but you got to kind of remember in your head, what in the world? Okay, let's be silly. Here's my buddy, the uh, llama dude. Llama dude. It kind of sounds funny. Llama dude. <laughs> Anyhow, what kind of stories do crabs tell? I've never been around too many crabs. Krusty Krab. <laughs> That's that restaurant down under you mean? Yeah, you know that. But I've never been really around too many. I I haven't. And, and and so I don't know what crabs would tell. All I know is they got those pinchers and they, they kind of scare me and I don't like being around them <laughs> because of that. But if I were going to sit a far distance away from a crab so he couldn't pinch me and I let him tell me a story, what kind of story would a crab tell? Well, a crab would tell lobster tales. <laughs> get it? Lobster tails. It's a play on words. And then the, the, the way it's spelled here is 
a story, a tale. Okay, but we also eat lobster tails when you go to Red Lobster or someplace like that, don't we? You know, <laughs> I didn't think it was that funny either. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Segment number two, as our head pops up and we make a memory and we stick it right there in the old gourd. <laughs> the old gourd. Stick it right in there. Okay, all right, we're going to make a memory. That means we've got to work on a memory verse. Old Moses, he says, look, guys, he says, all you got to do is say it five times. <laughs> All right. Amram took as his wife. So that's going to be the dad. This dude's name over here is going to be Amram. You got to love that. Amram. And guess what his mom's name is? Jochebed. <laughs> oh, dear. Those are kind of funny names. Amram and Jochebed. Anyhow, there's Amram and there's old Jochebed, and they're going to have some kids. That's what I'm saying right here. Anyhow, Amram took as his wife. So we got to say that five times. Amram took as his wife. 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 See, you just say it. Make silly noises as you say it. Dance if you need to. Stick your finger in your ear. <laughs> Whatever. And it helps you to remember. Amram took as a wife. And then you got the next one. Jochebed, his father's sister. And she bore him Aaron and Moses. There, Aaron and Moses. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't mention the sister in this one, but we'll talk about her later on. All right, so you say it five times. Each line five times. But if that it doesn't stick in your old head, you can also leave blanks. <clears throat> I know this one. And I know that one. Because they're funny names. Amram and Jochebed. <laughs> say Jochebed with me five times. Jockabed, 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 Jockabed. <laughs> That's a funny name for a woman, isn't it? Jockabed. Okay, Jockabed, is supper ready yet? <laughs> Amram, I told you I'd get it here in a minute. Just don't be bothering me. <laughs> that must have been the... I don't know whether they talked that way or not, but anyhow. Amram and Jockabed. That's all you got to do. See what I'm saying? Just leave those blanks right there. So moms and dads, I'll get my big head out the way. You can take a screenshot of that. That's the ESV, by the way. And what I would encourage you to do, moms and dads, is use whatever translation you're most, most comfortable with. That's fine. Of course, you got to rewrite it because I'm using the ESV. But you can do that. All right? And, and train your children to memorize. Put the scriptures in their mind. It will be a very, very big blessing to them. So, if I were going to test you over this segment, I would ask these questions. What were the names of Moses' parents? Amram and Jochebed. <laughs> if you can say that over and over again, it kind of sticks in your head. Amram and Jochebed. Amram and Jochebed. Amram and Jochebed. Amram and Jochebed. <laughs> See, now you got the... I did it. See, it's in there. It's stuck right in your head right now. Amram and Jochebed. So there's the answer to that question. And can you quote the memory verse? Well, not yet, because there's too much stuff in it. But I'm working on it. How about you? Amram and Jochebed. Let's be silly. All right, here's Amram and there's Jochebed. No, I don't think that's the name of it anyhow. Why did the lion cross the road? Now, it seems to me that this joke is not really told appropriately. Because I don't think it's a lion that crosses the road, is it? You know? But anyhow, in this particular road, in this particular road, in this particular joke, we're going to ask about a lion, not a chicken, a lion. Why did the lion cross the road? To get to the other pride. 
<laughs> a pride. That's a group of lions. A pride. You know what I'm saying? And so he's getting to the other, not the other side. He wants to get to the other pride. <laughs> I didn't think it was funny either. So far, we're off to a really pitiful start on our jokes. It's going to get better, though, I think. All right, moving on. Segment number three. In the third segment, we ponder the passage as we sit by the pond and we ponder saying, hmm, <laughs> pondering. Hmm. All right, as we ponder this passage, here's the passage we're going to ponder. Okay. Oh, dear. We're going to have to take down our family genealogy tracing thing. Sorry, Mom. She loves genealogy. Anyhow, we're going to put that down here, and that will give us the entire passage. All right. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty Yahweh, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. And so in this passage, we're going to have a special word that uh, is going to be introduced, Yahweh. It's not a word that you use very much in relationship to God, unless you, you're a pretty good Bible student. But it's an interesting word. It's an ancient, ancient word. One of the most ancient names that God ever had. Yahweh. Okay? And it means God Almighty. And what he's going to say here to Moses is, I'm actually going to address you in an even more intimate way than I did with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I want you to remember Yahweh. That's the name that means God Almighty. Okay? Say therefore to the people of Israel, here's what I want you to tell my folks. I am the Lord, and I'll bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. So God says, because remember that the, the children of Israel are doubting Moses at this point. Because remember what happened last chapter? Moses comes along, and all of a sudden Pharaoh makes their work even worse. And they began to blame Moses and said, Moses, you come along, it didn't get any better. And so they're starting to gang up on Moses. And God says to Moses, you go and tell my people, I am the Lord, and I am going to deliver you from this. And one of the ways it's going to, that's going to happen is I am going to bring about great acts of judgment. And here in a little bit, we're going to start seeing the ten plagues that he puts off onto the Egyptians. Remember, they're horrible. Remember, the, the Nile River turns to blood, and you got frogs crawling in and out of the houses. and It's just really, really nasty. But God's going to do all of that to punish Egypt because they haven't listened to God and because they have mistreated God's people. So he says great acts of judgment are going to come. That's a, that's a question that you're going to have on your test. I will take you to be my people, and I'll be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, and has brought you, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To swear is not to say a bad word. In this case, it's to make a promise, a commitment, a covenant. I swore, kind of like what happens when, if you ever seen somebody who's on trial, and there are witnesses, perhaps, uh, witnesses that come forward, and they have to swear that they're going to tell the truth. That's what's happening here. God said, I told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I swore to them as a commitment that I was going to give them a certain land. I'll give it to you. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that promise. I'm going to give that land to their descendants. And I'm going to give it to you, for I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people, but... They did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Very important part of the passage. 
they are not listening to Moses because they've got such a horrible life. Pharaoh has made it terrible on them. And so they're not listening to Moses. Even though Moses says, hey, I got good news. God's going to rescue us and take us to a better land. They're not listening because they're all, I have to get up and go to work this morning and I hate my job. They're, they have broken spirits because of the harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, go in you tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, the people of Israel don't listen. They don't even listen to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am a, of uncircumcised lips. I'm going to ask you and test what kind of lips do you say he has? Uncircumcised. In this context, what that means is that my lips do not function like they need to. Remember, he's already made that excuse. I can't talk very well. And God said, okay, who made your mouth? And then he keeps making excuses. He says, okay, I'll send Aaron with you. Well, that's kind of the same idea. And so he's going to say, I've got uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. He gave them the charge about Israel. He said, you go talk to the king, and then we're going to bring my people out of Egypt. Okay, so those would be your questions. So if I were te to test you in preparation for the final test, here are the five questions I would ask you to know the answers to. While you screenshot that, I'm going to lubricate my vocal cords. <laughs> all right, one of my all-time favorite pictures is the next silly picture that we're going to have pictured right here on the picture screen. <laughs> this girl, so she's kind of cute, and I like the lemon and everything. There she is. There's just something about her expression that's like, <laughs> what in the world? Here's her question. What was the baby doing in Egypt? I've often wondered that myself. If you just find a baby just kind of roaming around Egypt, by what, what what's the baby doing? <laughs> How'd the baby even get here? I'm thinking to myself. Okay, she asked the question, what was the baby doing in Egypt? Well, the baby clearly was looking for her mummy. <laughs> now that one is funny. We're getting a little bit better here, okay? <laughs> the baby was looking for her mummy. <laughs> All right, segment number four. Apply, doing, 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 doing. Apply the why. Here's where we ask ourselves why. Why, Sonny, are you even talking about Exodus chapter 6? Why? I'm fixing to tell you. Here's one application that I think we can draw. There's a lot of things, but here's one application. I thought it was interesting down here when it says that they didn't believe Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. You ever been in that situation? Did you ever feel so discouraged? It was really hard to believe anybody who said, hey, things are going to get better. Ever been so, I don't know, upset, so discouraged, so depressed that somebody comes, hey, listen, it's going to be okay tomorrow. The sun will come up tomorrow. Remember Annie singing that song? And you're thinking, yourself, no, it's not. I just, I'm so disgusted. I'm so depressed and so hurt. I just don't like it. And it's not going to, it's never going to get better. You ever feel that way? question that you got to answer for me is this. What is the key to overcoming discouragement? When you feel that way, blue and everything's bad, and it's never going to get better, how do you get to feeling better? What is the key to overcoming discouragement? I'll give you one hint. But there are other things. And so go ahead and, and, and answer this question with the other things. 
How do you overcome discouragement in your own life? Because that's what's happening to God's people here. They're very discouraged. They're not even believing Moses. When he comes along and he gives them good news, hey, things are going to get better. They don't believe him because they're so blue. What do you do to get out of the blue? All right. If we were going to test over that segment, which is segment four, I would ask this simple question. What is the key to overcoming discouragement? I think I already mentioned that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. But anyhow, remember, you don't have to write me a book. All I need is a couple lines here. What do you do to overcome discouragement? Let's be silly. That might be one thing you could do. You open the blinds and you see this kid pulling on his lips and you're thinking to yourself, whoa. What do girl snakes write at the bottom of their letters? If a girl snake wrote you a letter... <laughs> The first thing I'd say is, I'm not reading this because I don't like snakes. <laughs> but anyhow, if a girl snake wrote you a letter, how would she sign it at the bottom? What would she put at the very bottom? I would generally say something like, sincerely, Sunny Channels. <laughs> but what if the girl snake had a crush on you? <laughs> what would the girl snake say at the bottom of her letter? Well, she would say, Love and hisses. <laughs> not kisses, love and hisses. It was just, it was February 14th there not too long ago. What, what is that? Day? A Valentine's Day, that's right. And, you know, you give those little candy things, you know, chocolate. They said he loves those, you know. What are they called? Kisses? Well, yeah, yeah, Hershey kisses. Yeah, but not a snake. Snake will give out Hershey hisses. <laughs> chocolate hisses. <laughs> that's pretty good. It got a little better towards the last of the jokes. You know, it, not the best. It's not the but we've done okay. You know what I'm saying? All right. Let us begin to enter into segment number five. This is where we have some... Do we really have to? The kid says as he strangles his dinosaur. Yes, we do. Here are the five questions. This is test number six. I said five questions. There are ten questions. Anyhow... Here's uh, test number six, and there's the ten questions for you to go ahead. I'll just stand here looking pretty, and you can see if I go over here like this, it blocks this question. So I've got to get my, I'll, I'll do this. That way you can see me too. Did you, did you, did you screenshot it? You got it? Good. That's really good. I'm glad you got it. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? Here we are, you and me. Jokes weren't all that great this week. I get it. I get it. They'll get better. Just be patient. But, hey, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be okay. Thanks for being with me. Genesis. That's not the book. Exodus. That's the book. Exodus! Chapter 6. That's what we did. It was pretty good. You want to do it again? See if... Oh, I love you. Be there. Matthew 16. 26. Well, that was fun. If you thought that uh, that was enjoyable and worth your time, would you consider supporting our ministry? We're putting these things out and they kids literally around the world are watching them. And we are thankful for the opportunity to share them. We're hopefully bringing on board another uh, homemaker hero this coming week. And uh, she is going to be sharing these with her children, God willing. And uh, really excited about that. So thankful. But it takes funds to get it out. Give you an example. My computer has been giving me fits. 
And uh, you might recall about six months ago, I told you I was going to try to replace it. I never got the funds to do so. And so we're still operating on a kind of a limping along on a computer that really needs to be replaced. If you would pray about that, I would appreciate it very, very much. And maybe if you can, add us to your missions giving. Prayer time. Please, if you have a prayer request, go ahead and uh, put it on the uh, notes there, and I'll, I'll see it, and I'll try to mention it, okay? As we go through my requests, however, Young Restoration School of Biblical Studies students. These kids live in Pennsylvania, and as I've told you in the past, I we have Gabriel has drawn some caricatures that uh, we use to cover up their faces because I'm not I don't want to identify them on social media uh, for their privacy's sake. But uh, here they are all working on Doodle Bible School lesson. You can see the little phone right here. That uh, that's me. You can't hardly see it, but I'm right there on the phone, and they're all working drawing. Uh, and you can probably can't tell, but this right here, this is Moses in the basket. And so they are working in chapter 2 of the book of Exodus. But I'm so proud of them. Uh, please be in prayer for these five and their grandmother. I love them all very, very much. We would like to make a trip up there to see them. In fact, I'm hoping, we're planning maybe this spring to, to have our own DBS, not BBS, DBS Doodle Bible School uh, for just these kids. And uh, so pray that God will give us the funds that we'll be able to do that for them. Please. My dad's home. And uh, how do I get out of the way? That's, he doesn't look very good there. looks like a wild man. But uh, he uh, snapped that picture as we were pulling out of the parking lot, I think, of the hospital. But uh, there he is. He's on his way home. And uh, we're glad to have him home. Uh, he still continues to struggle. He has pneumonia. We are administering some antibiotics uh, that the doctor showed us how to do. And we're thankful for that. But <clears throat> please remember my dad. I have a, a dear friend who just recently had brain surgery. Seems to be doing pretty well. I'm thankful for the report that he sent my way, but continue to pray for him. Godly man, preaching all of his life. So thankful for him and his family. But pray for my friend who just had brain surgery and for dad that he will continue to make progress. Please. The Restoration School of Biblical Studies message. I put out a lot of memes throughout the week, as you are probably aware. But here's one of the messages that I put out this week that I think is very important for us to recognize. The Churches of Christ claim to be part of the Restoration Movement, and well, they should. Uh, this is the group that I grew up being associated with. But uh, when you understand that uh, we in that particular fellowship, uh, beyond just those who call themselves Churches of Christ, but those who, who claim the Restoration Principles, it seems that most of us are we're overlooking something really, really important. There is one possible example of communion every Sunday, and we take that example and we make it a point of fellowship. There are over 15 obvious examples that the early church met in either homes or borrowed spaces. Never had a church building. And yet we make that into something that's, ah, that's not all that important. 15 to 1. I think that we need to get back to appreciating the real restoration principles. Uh, wisdom for homemaker uh, heroes. Uh, we've got some who are really struggling. Uh, I showed you at the opening of this uh, prayer segment, the, you know, the grandmother who has those five, she's a phenomenal woman, but uh, she's got a lot on her plate. Would you be praying for her that she'll have the energy as well as the wisdom as she deals with those five little ones? Uh, the Restoration School of Biblical Studies students. This is my buddy Bisathu in Uganda. 
and he uh, is, is another demonstration of leading someone to Christ. They had gone down to the river to baptize someone. While they were baptizing, there was a bunch of women doing their laundry in the, in the river, and they just struck up a conversation with these women that led to the opportunity for them to have further Bible studies. Such a real, passionate ministry. So proud of this guy. And so thankful for the, the ministry that he has. Please continue to pray for the Restoration School of Biblical Studies as we try to fund his work as well as he works with us as far as the Bible classes are concerned. Home church worship guides. Imagine your son growing up watching Daddy lead home worship every Sunday. How would that impact him? Think about that. I think that's probably one of the most powerful memes I put out each week because it really illustrates the need for us to get back to home church. As you know, <clears throat> every Sunday, I try to present this, uh, and uh, these, this is our uh, home church worship guides. Uh, on the left, you've got the home church worship guide for Sunday, and we're going to deal with chapter 6 of the book of Exodus. And then you see Monday through Saturday, you continue to capitalize on that same chapter with having daily devotionals. And so it's really, I think, a very powerful way uh, for us to begin homesteading for the Lord. Here, I'll get myself out the way so you can screenshot that and you'll have that ready to go. Please be using this, especially if you're a leader of the home, a man of the home. We need to be people who reclaim our position, men. Uh, I am really concerned that we have emasculated the Christian male by asking them to just make sure they get their family there, sit them in a pew, and let it happen to them. Most Christian males do not lead in the typical worship service today. That's a tragedy, because little Johnny is growing up watching somebody else lead instead of his own daddy. And uh, we need men to reclaim our position. And the only way that that's going to happen is if we reclaim the obvious New Testament pattern of home church. All right, it's 9.30 and time for us to go into the sermon segment. Lord's Day live sermon segment. Thank you so very much for being with me. I am grateful for our time together. <coughs> As you know, <coughs> excuse me, we have been studying Exodus and we're studying Exodus from the perspective of how we can apply each of the chapters to our own lives. And so during the class period, I take, uh, for instance, today is chapter 6, and I, I give clues on how we can remember it, get it stuck in our brain. And then during the sermon segment, I try to present some applications that you and I can make right now, real time, in our life today, to make us better people, more Christ-like. So Exodus applied we're into chapter 6. Here are five questions that uh, we will try to address during this time together. If you're part of the Restoration School of Biblical Studies, these questions will be on your final test. So you can screenshot that and get ready to go. Fill in the blanks if you want as we go through this thing. Got them? All right, here we go. The text <clears throat> is from Exodus chapter 6. The topic that I'm using by way of application is God promises. What happens when God promises? What are the parts of God's promise that he makes here to Moses and God's people and still, I think, resonates down through the halls of time right into our lives today? Here's the text. Let's read it together and then I'll give you three points from it. God spoke to Moses and he said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty Yahweh. But my name, but by my name, the Lord, 
I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as so sojourners, as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of my people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from the slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a great and with great acts of judgment. <clears throat> I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. You might notice how many times he talks he refers to himself as the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. There he says it again. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because their broken spirit and the harsh slavery. Three things that happen when God makes a promise, or three segments, if you want, with regards to the promises of God that are illuminated in this passage, and I think still happen in our lives today. I'm going to have trouble getting myself out of the way here. I appeared to Abraham, etc. Yahweh, God Almighty, special name there. Then he says down here in verse 7, And I'll take you to be my people, and I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God. First thing that happens when God makes a promise, <clears throat> in this case, and to you and I as well, is that we, we inherit, if you will, an, an intimate knowledge of him. <clears throat> when God interacts with God's people, when he interacts with you and I, and he makes a covenant with us, with as an as a obvious nature of that covenant, we are taking the most awesome, most powerful being in all that is. And he's actually communicating more than that. <clears throat> he's actually making a covenant, a promise with you and I, giving us a, an intimate insight, an intimate knowledge. In our passage, we've got the word Yahweh, which is a unique word that is used in reference to God as God Almighty. And then we've got this concept of the Lord, which he says <clears throat> evidently is even a more intimate expression that he has put. It's not just that I am God Almighty. I'm going to be your Lord. I'm going to be your ruler. I'm going to take care of you, your protector. And you notice how many times in my reading throughout, he refers to himself as the Lord here. And then there's this intimate part where he says, I'm going to take you to be my people. I'll be your God. You'll know me as the Lord. So there is an intimate knowledge that comes about when God makes a promise with us. Now what I'm going to do in each of these three points is I'm going to take you to the part of the book of the Revelation, last book of the Bible, and show you how that God fulfills these parts to you and I today, or is going to fulfill them in the future to you and I today. Revelation chapter 21, uh, right near the end of the book. I And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. You see the intimacy. So one chapter before the end of the entire book, and we've got this statement by God. You're going to be my people. There's this intimate knowledge that God says you're going to have of me. <clears throat> Not unlike what he says here in verse 7, that I'm going to take you to be my people, and I will be your God. Notice that. I'll be your God. And what does he say here in Revelation at the end of the book? God himself will be with them as their God. And so God continues to fulfill his promises throughout the ages. And the consistent nature of God is such that when he makes you a promise, it's not just that you can count on the promise to be fulfilled. That certainly is the big one. But the second 
or down the line somewhere, but one of the major parts of this is that you're going to gain in that this intimate understanding of who he is. And so all of the promises that you find made to God's people, especially the church, recognize that it's not just a, an assurance of something, it's also a revelation. He is exposing his heart to you when he gives you a promise. So there's this intimate knowledge. How cool is that, right? All right, second thing that you're going to find when God makes a promise is that you're going to find that there will be just vindication that is going to happen towards your enemies. That when God makes a promise, especially in this case where he refers to himself as the Lord, if I'm going to be your protector, you can guarantee, be guaranteed, you can understand, you, you, it is guaranteed to you, take it to the bank, I will protect you. There's going to be a just vindication. Now, it may take time, and you see, that's what's happening down here. Moses has showed up and he's told them everything's going to be better. They don't like the message because things didn't get better immediately. And so because of their broken spirit, because of the harsh slavery that they're under, they don't believe Moses. But you and I need to be different. We need to recognize that if we will, if we will center ourselves on the promises of God, that even though there may be a period of hurt and persecution, suffering that takes place before we actually get there, just vindication will happen. It is going to happen. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. God will make things right. Notice he says here, I will deliver you from, sla from slavery to them, and I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And you, know, you and I, of course, know the story of the book of, of, of uh, Exodus and how that we're going to have the ten plagues, horrible plagues, decimates Egypt. And God's going to bring all that about because he has promised great acts of judgment because he, in his promises, brings about just vindication. Again, making the New Testament application, Revelation chapter 20, the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire with sulfur where the beasts and the false prophets were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Just vindication. Sometimes I, I look around and I see how Satan is having his way with people not just in my life, but in the lives of my loved ones. And it just disgusts me. It hurts me. I hate it. And I say, as I call out towards heaven, how long, Lord? How long? But one thing I need to be absolutely certain of is that there will be a just vindication. That Satan will take his place in the lake of fire. And by the way, all those who have deceived been his minions in this life, they will accompany him in that lake of fire where there will be torment day and night forever and ever because of what they have done. There will be just vindication, number two. Number three, <clears throat> when God makes a promise, he allows you to take personal ownership. One of the things that I love about God's promises is that they're not just kind of uh, general in nature, some of these promises actually come down the pike as, this is mine. I can claim this one. And uh, I think that when you understand that principle, you begin to appreciate the great hope that, that comes about given the fact that God actually is making a, a promise to me. Notice what happens here. <clears throat> I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. God says, I'm going to take you out of here. Now, you're hurting right now. Some of you aren't going to believe my messenger because of the slavery that you're under. But listen, I'm going to take you out, and I'm going to give you this land. 
Now, one of the things that we got to recognize here is that most of the folks he's speaking to are not actually going to claim the land. Their people will, their kids will, but not them because of disobedience. And so in the promises that God gives, they will be fulfilled, but they may not necessarily be fulfilled directly to you if you are not obedient to him. Two guys. Moses doesn't even get to go into the promised land, remember? Only two guys get to go in because they were faithful spies who said, we can do this. The others had no backbone. And so the entire generation has to die in the wilderness. But personal ownership does come to those, even those that die in the wilderness. It comes to them through their children, but they personally don't get to see it. We need to be understanding that our responsibility, not the responsibility of our kids, our responsibility is to make sure that we take ownership of the promise that God has made. And the only way to take ownership of that is to be obedient to him. Let's return one last time to the book of Revelation, chapter 21. Now we're going to see right up, again, there's 22 chapters in the book of Revelation, so we're almost to the end of this thing. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Without payment. It's going to be yours. The one who conquers will have his heritage. I love that word. And I will be his God. He will be my son. You'll take ownership of what is to come. The new heaven and the new earth. It's going to be yours. You're my son. The inheritance that we are told that we can have, according to Romans chapter 8, his spirit testifies with my spirit that I'm a child of God. And we're told in Romans chapter 8 that that inheritance that we are bound to collect or to have will happen only if we are willing to go the path of the Lord. Suffer with Jesus. So like the the, the children of Israel, who still had a season of suffering to go through with the Egyptians, who were taking away their straw and making them keep up the same number of bricks that they produce, even though they don't have straw, they're going to go through a, a brief season of suffering. When they come out the other side, God says, I'm going to give you possession. You're going to be able to take ownership of something very, very special. It's why we call it the promised land, because God makes this promise and in making his promise, he, we gain intimate knowledge of him. We can, we can see a just vindication that he's going to, to bring about on our, our enemies. And then we get to take personal ownership. And so he speaks here in, in Revelation 21 of that new age to come. And he's saying of that new age, if we are conquerors, if we've overcome, then we are going to be his sons, his daughters, and that we will have access to not only his sphere, but we'll be able to take ownership because we are, we're the princes and the princesses of heaven. How awesome is that, right? And Exodus applied. Chapter six, here are the five questions that we tried to cover. I think we did pretty good. We got them. Thank you so much for being with me. I'm grateful. This is Sonny Chow saying, be there. Matthew 16, 26. I appreciate all of you stick around for this last little segment of our time together because in it I talk to you about how thankful I am for you for keeping me in business. I, I produce these each week and it takes a lot to get them done. There's a lot of money invested in this kind of thing and you help me do that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please continue to be with us uh, in your thoughts, your prayers, and your giving. And if you're not giving, 
If you'd consider adding us to your missions giving, that would mean a lot to Little Sunny Chows. It is the Lord's Day. And so, because it's the Lord's Day, keep it simple, keep it innocent, and keep it meaningful. He deserves that, does he not? I love you. This is Sonny Chows saying, be there, Matthew 16, 26.